I'm Jack Kennedy. And they hit a lot harder in my opinion too. What is up everybody? My name is Caelan McNamara and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. He couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Kevin McNamara and Hunter Boss. Well, UFC 266 was interesting, to say the least. We'll just start there, all right? This episode is basically going to be about UFC 266 because we're going to be thinking about this card for a very long time. It was incredible. Let's get started with the news and good news is now we're not going to be talking about Valentina Shevchenko in this segment because she was supposed to win. We all predicted she would win and she dominated. So first off, massive congratulations to Valentina Shevchenko. Big shout out. You're the best. Very clearly. Um, let's get started with Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz. That was insanity. And we'll be talking about the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Two incredible fights, two incredible results. Hunter, starting with you, who was actually at UFC 266. What are you thinking? That card was amazing. Let's just say, I mean, I know I was there, so it was that much better, but I'm sure even for people watching at home, that was one of the most entertaining cards of the year so far. Um, But to start off with Diaz versus Lawler, this fight went pretty close to as planned as I imagined it going. You know, I thought it was going to be back and forth the first two rounds, but I think Robbie Lawler was going to take over and come the later rounds, definitely because of he's, he doesn't really have ring rust right now. I mean, he's been, he's been fighting for the last six years while Diaz has been on the sidelines. So I mean, it was very brave of Diaz to do a flying, uh, spinning kick at the beginning of the fight. That got the whole crowd going. Um, it was definitely was just a really fun fight to watch. Robbie Lawler did a fin- Robbie Lawler looked like he was young again. He looked like he was in his thirties, or thirty, I should say. He definitely yeah. is in his thirties right now. But um, Robbie Lawler looked like he hasn't skipped a beat. It was good to see him facing a stand-up guy, not someone who's just a wrestler, because he's he's had wrestlers his last few fights. So. Congrats to Robbie Lawler, and uh, I, I love seeing Nick, Nick Diaz back in the octagon, but I think this should be his last time in the octagon, sadly. Um, but a fantastic fight, to say the least. Yeah, um, I mean, we've had some amazing fight charts in the last two years, if not slightly less, and this is by far one of the best ones that we've had. I mean, Hunter, you are correct. For us at home, it was brilliant which means I can't imagine how much more amazing <laughs> just mind minds are blown everywhere, but onto the fight and this fight went the way we thought it would go. You know, it just a stand up engagement from the opening bell, unfortunately to the very end. And both guys looked really, really good. And um, I mean, Nick Diaz looked every part of his age, if yeah. we're being honest. And, um, you know, he, he absorbed a lot of heavy shots his boxing was very good. It was constant and it was accurate. I mean, I have to say he looked better actually than I thought that he would. But Robbie Lawler looked really, really good on the night. Um, like Hunter said, and I have to really agree with him on this, you know, you could tell there was no ring rust with Robbie Lawler. He looked clean. He looked crisp. He actually, his head movement was actually much better than his recent fights. He got out of the way of a lot more shots. He parried them a lot better. And the power that he got behind some of those shots were vicious. I mean, I think he probably broke Nick's nose if you, if you saw his nose after the he fight. Did. Yeah. And, you know, some of his shots were just landing flush. I mean, and by the time the fight was stopped, a lot more of his shots than not were landing flush as well. So credit to Robbie Lawler. He sort of settled the grudge match very, very convincingly. And it 
perhaps this could be the start of a rejuvenation for Robbie Lawler. Perhaps this is the confidence he needed. By God, I hope it is, because Robbie Lawler is one of my favorite fighters of all time. As for Nick Diaz, you know, my respect for stepping in there, you know, he could have taken any, well, er, sorry, well, it ended up being a middleweight, but he could have taken any fighter. He could have taken any unknown easy fighter, and he could have gotten an easy win. And he got a very, very tough opponent in Robbie Lawler, who will just be tough until the end of time. But I sadly kind of have to agree with Hunter. I think this is probably the last time we should see Nick because the damage that he took was just mind-boggling, even for Diaz. You know, he was taking some really hard shots, and it's probably a good thing that he couldn't get up whenever the fight was meant to be restarted because he only would have taken more. I'm so happy that we got to see him, and I'm very happy the younger audience got to see him, but I think this should be the end for him. Yeah, hey, I agree with your guys' assessment. I mean, just first off, it was such a fun experience from the get-go. I mean, I can't even imagine what Hunter was feeling whenever Diaz was making that walk out, but that was insane. Even watching it on the TV, you couldn't even hear his walk, his background music. It was just so loud. Um, one of the few things that we were doing that a lot of the major media and people weren't talking about was just hyping up Robbie Lawler as well because he is an absolute savage. It's, the, it's so exciting to see Nick Diaz back, but we have to give Robbie Lawler his proper credit. And that's why, I mean, they went out there and in the first two rounds, they threw like a combined, they landed a combined like 200 punches or something like that. It was crazy. The fight did, the fight lived up to the hype and more some. It was incredible. They went out there. I thought Diaz actually looked fantastic considering him being out for what, five years, six years. He looked fantastic. He was landing shots. His boxing looked crisp. Um, Robbie Lawler is the man. He keeps coming forward, doesn't take a step back. He's throwing the power. Diaz is throwing with more volume and everything and landing. They were just both like, it was just technical brawling for two rounds. Um, then, uh, Diaz nose was broken. Uh, maybe a little bit of a knee issue from uh, training camp. I'm not upset with him. Like just calling it there. I mean, he, he put on an absolute war, an absolute show. Uh, he's, he's had a career that's so long. That's another thing. The damage that these guys have taken is ridiculous. So, I mean, look, I completely agree with you guys. I think that should be the end of Nick, or Nick Diaz, but it was so fun. It was so fun seeing him back and he put on a show. They did Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz did exactly what we were hoping they would do. And it was amazing to watch. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Fantastic all around. But when it comes to the main event with yeah. Polkanovsky and Brian Ortega, Ooh. it was unparalleled inside the arena. Oh, the arena, I, it was deafening, but you can hear every punch, if that makes sense. You know, I got everyone's it, yeah. cheering, everyone's screaming. But when it came down to it, you could hear the thuds of the people slamming into the octagon. You can hear every single punch landed, every single kick on the inside of Brian Ortega's leg. dude. It was amazing. I'll tell you that when you see Joe Rogan standing up and holding on to people or um, just anyone in that situation, that's what the whole arena was doing to each other. Whenever Alexander Volkanovsky was put into a submission. Yeah, technique, you know, when he was put into the triangle, you know, I'm holding on to the people right next to me. Everyone in the audience is like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. Ortega's going to be champion because let me tell you this right now, the entire the entire stadium wanted Ortega to win. Yeah. So every time uh, Ortega put Volkanovsky in either that guillotine or in that triangle choke, uh, it was it was it was beautiful. And it was just honestly such a cool sight to be seen. The whole crowd going behind Ortega. It was awesome. And. The whole crowd hated Volkanovsky when he walked out, but as soon as he finished the fight, everyone was on their knees. Everyone respected him, and everyone's realizing that this guy is the true featherweight champion right now. Man, this is why we love our sport, because this fight 
this is such such a strong candidate for fight of the year. And I don't care who comes next after this. This fight was unbelievable from the beginning to the end. I mean, even on TV, we got a very good sense of what Hunter just said. When um, Ortega did his purge thing walkout, the noise in the arena was just mind-boggling. It was so, so loud. And then when Volkanovski came out, it was a lot more quiet. You could just tell what which side the crowd was on, really. But that fight was unbelievable. One of the best featherweight fights ever. No question about that at all. Um, round three is really where our discussion begins because that is that's where this fight probably should have been won or lost. You know, Brian Ortega clips Volkanovski with a left hand. I think he, I think he caught a body kick and then knocked him down. And then he went, he just jumped into the into the mounted guillotine. And everybody thought, oh my god, this is the end. This is how it ends. The jiu-jitsu black belt wins the world title. How anybody would hold on for 10 seconds in that submission, I will never understand. Alexander Volkanovsky is tough on a different level entirely. And not only that, the ground game then rolls straight into a darce, which he yeah. then gets out of as well. And it goes straight into a triangle. Those are two of Ortega's three best submissions the triangle and the guillotine, and Volkanovski cut out of both of them. And to be honest with you, I I would never ever say Ortega quits because he never does quit. But you could tell in Ortega's body language when he went back to his corner after round three, something inside him wasn't the same because you could tell he was he was saying to his corner, "Why did not finish the fight?" You know, I think Ortega hyped this up so much that if he locked in the triangle or if he locked in the guillotine, that's it, it was done. I don't think he counted on Volkanovski being as damn tough as he is. And I think that's what changed the momentum of the whole fight. And that's where it was really won for Volkanovski. But credit to Alex. He is the true king of featherweights and there's no argument anymore. His boxing is incredible. His wrestling is so, so good. And even on the ground, just to escape those submissions was worthy of applause in its own right. But an amazing, amazing main event and one of one that will live on in certainly my memory for years. Oh man, I mean, I just watching it on TV was the best experience ever. I I, I know I keep saying it, but Hunter, you actually being there is the coolest thing ever for me, just, just knowing that you were there witnessing greatness because that fight was just great that's what it was it will go down in history as one of the best if not the best featherweight fight in the entire company's history um volkanovsky we talked about the crowd reaction to it and even my own personal reaction after the fight no matter what you're thinking beforehand you have to respect both fighters after they put on that big of a show I, I mean, just Ortega, Ortega losing again, just, just like the Holloway fight, him losing this is really not even a shame. He's going to go back. He's, he's going to try and improve and stuff like that. Obviously, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he just he looked honestly not terrible. Volkanovski is just that good, which is what's crazy. And that's what he proved. That was the big question. Is Volkanovski good enough to beat not just the old Brian Ortega, but the new and improved decent on the stand-up Brian Ortega? And the answer is yes. Um we had a lot of questions answered too. why Volkanovski does not want to go to the ground because two seconds to him getting dropped on the ground. He's in like 15 different submissions, even when, when he's throwing ground and brown and when the fight probably should have been stopped, he's still almost getting arm barred and stuff like that. That's how good Brian Ortega is on the ground. Um, the, yeah, that third round will go down in history as one of the best rounds ever in a title fight. I mean, it, it was just crazy. 
I thought, uh, just like everybody else, I, I thought the fight was done when he had that mounted guillotine. I was like, there's no way he can get out of this. And Volkanovski got out of the mounted guillotine and the triangle choke, not by technique, but just by toughing it out, which I don't think anyone else on the entire and the entire UFC featherweight division. I really don't think anyone else could do that. But Volkanovski's like, I'm the champ. I'm fighting through it. I'm not doing it. And he did it. And it was unbelievable. Then he turned it out and probably won the round too. He did win the round after all that ground and pound. I mean, it's just insane. The fight was insane. Massive credit to both Volkanovski and Ortega. That is what we want to see in the UFC right there. That's the, those are the type of fighters. Those are the breed of fighter that we pay to see, that we love to see. And the UFC's featherweight division right now with the big three, Holloway, uh, Volkanovski, Ortega, it's in good hands. And we were getting some phenomenal fights. Yeah, yeah Alex Volkanovski has broken jiu-jitsu. <laughs> he, he's he's his own version of Derek Lewis where he yeah. just stands up. He's yeah, exactly. So, all right, guys, now moving on to the best of the best. And this is a fun one because in case you haven't heard, Hunter was at UFC 266. We had, we've only mentioned it a few times. Uh <laughs> Hunter, what were some of your favorite moments from actually being there on the in International Fight Week and uh obviously fight night for UFC 266? International Fight Week was so such a cool experience, you know. I got to see so many different fighters. Uh, I got a ton of autographs. I mean, Tony Ferguson, he was such a cool sport. Yeah. I, I had to meet him. I got a picture with him. Super awesome. Uh, Corey, Corey Sandhagen I met, too. He was a lot of fun. Not as big as you think he would be. Honestly, I thought he would be taller, right. maybe a little bit more bulky. Did you tell him he was my number one draft pick? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's, uh-huh. He stays ready to fight, which is my favorite part. Because actually, I think he might have a fight coming up, which we might talk about. I, we're going to have to talk about the next one. Yeah, yeah next yeah, one. Yeah. Next one. But yeah. um, honestly, the fight itself in the arena was some of the coolest experiences you could see. When it first started, we had that 15-second knockout with, with the Smellsburger, which yeah. was awesome. I mean, yeah. on, the arena wasn't full at that time. And maybe at maybe a quarter capacity. But it was booming when everyone <laughs> was cheering from that knockout. That was so cool. Second coolest thing there, I would say, probably, uh, what is his name? Curtis Blades' walkout to Mortal Kombat. The whole arena went insane. It was, oh, I it, love it. The, the grounds were shaking. Uh, I, I went with my two roommates. My roommates were holding me like, this is the coolest walkout ever. <laughs> Sadly, it wasn't the coolest fight ever. But you know what? Yeah. That's okay. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we kind of thought, thought that was going to happen as it is. So. But the coolest part by far, I have to say, coolest thing in the whole thing had to be Ortega's walkout to the yeah. purge. That was the coolest thing. I mean, we were hearing it was we were hearing sirens. We were really confused at first, and we heard the purge, and we're like, "Oh, that's really cool." And then the the, the masks, uh, screen yeah. it flashed to the three masks, and everyone was going crazy. That's that's when I was like, "Man, Ortega means business." Like this is the scariest walkout I think I've seen in a while. But uh, that whole experience in general, definitely want to be remembered. That is incredible. I love that so much. How about the Diaz walkout? Was that, was that insane too? Oh, I mean- definitely cool. So the entirety of the crowd was all behind Diaz. So oh, there was there yeah. was like very few Lawler chants in there. I was actually chanting Lawler because I, oh. I, I felt really I, – I chanted for both of them because I yeah, love both yeah, fighters. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. whenever each one was walking out, I would chant for them. Everyone was looking at me like, well, you, you, you want two people to win now? I did <laughs> But um, anyways, it, it was really cool. Um, the walkout song, just Diaz being out there, it was deafening once again. But it was just, it was so cool to see a Diaz brother walk out. And at one time in the early prelims, Nate Diaz walked out just to see the yeah. fights, and the whole the whole crowd was cheering like it, like he was fighting. It was insane. Uh, really cool though. Anytime a celebrity went on screen, everyone would cheer. 
very cool experience. That is so awesome. I love every second of that. So, yeah, let's talk about the discussion of the week now, transitioning. Uh, we have a very interesting one, and we're going to be talking about Brian Ortega, who did lose to Alexander Volkanovsky. We talked about that. What's next for Brian Ortega? Hunter, what do you think? Whew, back to back. Let's do it. Now, this is tough, okay? The reason I say this is because right now what I see in the featherweight division, I see three champions. I see three champions. I think the featherweight division has turned into the lightweight division right now. How competitive the lightweight division is how competitive the featherweight division is now. Yep. Yep. For Ortega, this is a difficult question to answer. If he were to stay at featherweight, I would say Arnold Allen. I think Arnold Allen should get that opportunity. He has one of the longest win streaks right now uh, in the UFC, let alone the featherweight division. Um, he's one of the most entertaining fighters, though he doesn't get a ton of knockdowns. He's very versatile in his striking range and even wrestling. Do I think he's going to beat Ortega? That's one of the questions. I do see Ortega as a, as a champion of his own. You know, yeah, I agree. Volkanovski is easily a champion. Max Holloway, I still see as champion. In Ortega, I don't see anyone else but Volkanovski and Holloway beating. So the featherweight division is so difficult right now. But here's option number two. I would not hate to see Brian Ortega move up to lightweight and see how he does up there. I think he could do magnificent things up there. I think a fight between him and Charles Oliveira would be one of the coolest Brazilian oh. jiu-jitsu matchups on the planet. And let alone just seeing him tough it out against some of the coolest lightweights, like say, give him Tony Ferguson or give him, I mean, not, I wouldn't say give him Dustin Poirier because he would just absolutely die, but you know, <laughs> it would be difficult. So I would love to see a move up to lightweight to, from our Brian Ortega just because I don't think he's going to be champion as, lo as long as Volkanovski and Holloway are around. But if he were to stay at featherweight and try his chances again, climb up the ladder, I think a great place to start would be with Arnold Allen. Man, that is a good, good question and a very prevalent question as well. I'm just, I'm just thinking of the visceral image of Dustin Poirier murdering Brian Ortega. <laughs> you don't Ortega. need to think about it, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um i got to admit, there's definitely two very clear paths that can be taken with this question, and they concern the weight divisions. And what interests me the most is whenever I actually saw Ortega at the weigh-ins, you know, we've been talking a lot about how the weight cut might be affecting Ortega yeah. and whether it, it's actually inhibiting him being out featherweight. And yet he came in a pound under championship weight, so it doesn't seem like it's troubling him that much. As a result, I think it's possible that he does actually stay at featherweight because of that. Um, so if he does stay at featherweight, there's two or three options that I would really, really love to see. The most likely, I think, is Yair Rodriguez. I think that would be a really good fight. The reason I say Yair is not only stylistically would it be amazing, Yair's fighting Max Holloway next, and most likely Holloway will beat him. If Ortega can beat a top five contender in Yair Rodriguez, that keeps him firmly in that triangle at featherweight at the very, very top. And it also keeps him active and it keeps him relevant within the top echelons of the division. So I think that would be an amazing fight. I think it's a likely fight as well. I'd love to see Giga Chikadze against Ortega. I think that would just be an absolute fire starter of a matchup. Uh, stylistically, both those guys would just absolutely eat into each other. Chikadze's wrestling is dominance, but then we've seen with Volkanovski what Ortega could do once you've got him on the ground. And this last option I don't think will happen. I'm only saying it because stylistically, I would just love to see it. Edson Barbosa. Because that, I mean, Ortega would have to get that fight to the ground or Barbosa would probably just kick him into a million pieces. 
so if we're at featherweight, that's my picture for what would happen. The other option is moving up to lightweight, basically. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on that because Hunter's covered that really well. If the weight does become an issue, I can see him move up to the lightweight perhaps in the next couple of years or so. I think Ortega will still be around for a bit to try and challenge for the title. But if he moves up to the lightweight, I'd love to see a fight against someone like Charles Oliveira. It would be the most exciting jiu-jitsu match we have ever seen. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. I mean, see, for me, the thing is, I don't know if Ortega is physically big enough to make, like, to, to be at 155. There are some guys, like, whenever I got to meet Zabit Magomed Shripov, right, uh, he seems like, just like Hunter was saying before we got on, referring to Corey Sanhagen, they seem like they would be bigger. Just because they're tall doesn't mean that they're physically that big, which is why I think John Jones is actually having a tr- having trouble making uh, heavyweight right now, why his body looks not proportional and everything like that. Very, very true. So I don't know if he is, is going to be – he's not a very muscly guy. I don't know if he's able to just – decide okay i'm gonna go up to 155 because on fight day he might be weighing like 160 but he's not when he's facing a guy just we mentioned dustin poirier why do we think dustin poirier would kill him because he's got the grappling defense and he's just so much physically bigger just comparing the two guys that's a very big difference in weight class which is why i don't think we'll see ortega at 155 anytime soon um although i don't hate it if he does decide to go two years and get physically ready for it then I'm all for it. But right now, if we're saying, Brian Ortega, your next fight, just put on the pounds, go up to 155. Oof, I don't think so. I think those guys are too big. Um, although I would love to see that Charles Oliveira matchup uh, because the problem is, though, with that, that fight would be on the feet the entire time. Like that fight, that fight would, because uh, they wouldn't mess with each other on the ground, although we would love to see it on the ground. That fight would just be on the feet, which would, hey, I'm, I'm still for it. That'd be amazing. But um, as for Ortega, his next fight, I love Calvin Cater. I think that's the way to go. Um, I, I, I like, I love, you know, Edson Barbosa, those would be such fun matchups. Arnold Allen, I think makes a lot of sense, honestly, under the circumstances but right now. I think Calvin Cater is the most logical option. He's still up there. Yes. He's coming off to uh, that loss to Max Holloway. He doesn't have a fight right now. He's sitting right there. Stylistically. I think that's a phenomenal matchup because or I mean, I think Cater has a substantial, uh, advantage on the feet compared to Ortega, but can Calvin Cater deal with a guy that is so good at grappling like Brian Ortega? Ortega in the fourth and fifth round took down Volkanovsky, like actually took him down, which no one's been able to do or even really tried to do. So I think he could take down Calvin Cater if he goes to the ground against Ortega. Ooh, things get very interesting very quick. Um, I do love the Yair Rodriguez shout, but we got to see how Yair's health is. I'm being serious about this. We got to see how his health is following that Max Holloway fight because I think we're yeah, all favoring Max true. Holloway. Like That sounds very harsh and that sounds like, almost like we're taking a shot at him. But look at what happened to Calvin Cater. Look what happened to Brian Ortega. That stylistically, I think that fight is just a horrible matchup for Yair Rodriguez. And we'll go more in depth as we get closer to the fight. But I think that's Max Holloway 10 times out of 10 in that fight. And depending on how much damage Yair Rodriguez actually takes, Brian Ortega might be done recovering from this Volkanovski fight. And Cater might be, you know, the timelines of this is also a thing that we, we have to consider. Because Arnold Allen, I think he might want to fight before Ortega's going to have to take months just to recover yeah. and then he'll think about getting a fight Arnold Allen's one of those guys that's going to keep fighting um you get Chikaze is one of those guys that's going to keep fighting and everything like that um but yeah I there's so many matchups you could make with Brian Ortega uh and just an amazing podcast about just an amazing fight card that we will be thinking about for many weeks to come uh everyone 
Thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. You can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at MMA.Island and check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Thanks again, everyone, so much for listening. Great podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. Um.